Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I, I feel like I need to take the whole church where some of us are going already. But I feel like I need to take everybody there. Is that okay? Because I don't want to give it all away, but I'm going to preach about from the hideout to the cryout. I want to begin by stating as Christians, we're both lambs and lions. We're followers and leaders. And according to Revelation and Peter, we're both kings and priests. We're masters and servants. And above all, we're worshipers and warriors. In our current spiritual and cultural climate, we must be embedded like Gideon out of Judges 6. We need a church that will rise up. We need to carry both the best pictures I could find. I don't know if they're giving me on my iPad. Just go to to slide two. But we need to have the shofar and the sword. We can't just be the church with no shofar or no sword. We can't just be all spirit and no truth. But we we can't be all love and peace and just worship, but no sword, word of the Lord that cuts like a sword. But I don't want to, we can't fight all the time either. There has to be a balance. We have to be the kind of church that carries the shofar, which represents our worship, and uh, carries the sword, which represents our truth. We have to be willing and committed and dedicated that we're created on this planet to worship the Lord and magnify and preach Jesus simultaneously fighting through the darkness in our world. We need a church that is full of prayer warriors. We need a church that is full of worshipers. And we need a church that is full of the word. Because there is an assault on everything that is righteous and pure and holy and godly. And I'm not just saying that. That is the truth. No strategies of man can come against us because we got the word and we got the worship. We fight for values that are eternal. And we're not just fighting for us. We're fighting for those kids next door. We're, we're fighting for the 50 kids that already registered for VBS. And we're fighting for the little preschoolers next door over there that are three years old. We need a church that will rise up and be the church. We got to be willing to worship and we got to be willing to fight. I'm sorry to tell you we cannot be just in... Just a normal humdrum church. We got to be a church that has a divine move of God that preaches the truth in love. We stand against sin and we stand against darkness, but we do it with love. And I felt like God speak this week that there's some hidden warriors in the church that need to be released today. There's some hidden warriors that need to be released. Warriors that worship and warriors that fight. You have more endurance. You're coming out of your wine press today. Something happened to you when everybody else was hiding the last two years, but you've been moving spiritually in a new direction, and I'm here to tell you God wants you to come on out. It's your hour to come out. 
It's the hour to have revival. It's the hour that we change Temecula and Marietta and Menifee and Hemet, and Hemet, not by us, but by the Spirit of God. If you go to Judges 6, I'm going to read a few scriptures for you there. If you're standing, moving, you want to sit where you're at, do whatever you want to do. But I'm going to try to move the church collectively where we were going here. Because there was a crying out that was happening. But I felt God tell me this week. And I didn't know what they were singing. I mean, I probably saw it, but I wasn't paying attention. I'm going to preach about fear today. Judges 6.1 the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Verse 2, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hideouts for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalekite, and the people of the east would attack Israel. That's why I don't go to East L.A., Y'all go there and find out. Verse 4, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. The enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as the locust. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation. They were reduced by starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites, verse 6, cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. He says, I brought you out of Egypt. And from all who oppressed you, I drove you out from your enemies and gave you their land. Verse 10, I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down beneath the great tree at Orphrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Ebiezer. Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, Brother Foster, to hide the grain or the harvest. From the Midianites. The angel of the Lord peered to him and he looked at Gideon and he said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I'm looking out at some Gideons today, and you're in the middle of your deep in your wine press, in your pit, and God's here to tell you, Mighty hero. I'm with you. Mighty hero, I'm with you. Lift your hands one more time. God, I pray right now, your, your spirit's strong in the room. 
God, healings in this room, deliverances in this room. Captives are going to be set free, God. Things are going to shift in the Holy Ghost here. God, we're going to go to a new place today. July 3rd is going to be a turning point for some people. Not because I'm in the pulpit, because you're here, God, and your word says that, that your word, every promise in here, God, if we seek you, we're going to find you. If we knock, it's gonna, the door is going to be open. So that's how I know we're moving to a new place, God. Not by me, but by your word in the house. God, let them hear that they are a mighty hero this morning. They don't feel like it. They're in the wine press. They're just going through the drudgery of life. But the angel appeared this morning and looked at him and said, mighty hero, mighty hero, I'm with you. If you believe that, give him some praise. High five your, your neighbor as you're seated and say the hideout. In World War II, the Walski family in Warsaw built a hideout. And they called it the Chrysia Bunker, which was the Polish word for hideout. It was the largest hiding place of Jews outside the ghetto. The longest lasting and largest rescue operation of its kind in Warsaw. The Wolski family reminds me, see, I'm from Minnesota, and we had a Kowalski store. So it reminds me, the Wolski, Kowalski. So the Wolski family lived in a two-story house and had a, a large amount of land behind it that they had uh, uh, plants, like a green room and plants and all that stuff. And, and under they, one, one of the Jewish girls snuck out and lived with them for a month. And she went back to the ghetto, and then she came back, and she said, you got to help us. And so they built underneath their greenhouse, they built a hideout. And some of the Jewish young men snuck out and helped them dig it out and build. They had enough beds underneath there for 40 people. They had electricity and a little bit of running water down there for 40 people. The family, the effort was so strong to get them out that everybody in the family had to help. Eventually, they couldn't figure out as more and more people were hiding down there. They were trying to figure out what in the world are we going to do? How do we keep going to the grocery store and buying food for 40 when we're only four? So they decided to start their own grocery store. They opened their own grocery store on their property to cover up the fact of all the groceries they were bringing down to the hideout. Now, the hideout was good for its terms, but you know, most hideouts aren't necessarily where you want to raise your family. It was nice by certain standards, but they had to use the restroom and buckets, and they had at night to carry that out. At times, they said it would be so hot down there because there was no circulation. And they said that the bugs were everywhere crawling. And they lived down there for two years. And here, this is the only picture out there remaining. It's tore down now, but that's the original house you can barely see back there of the Walski family. Now, I grew up, my dad is a Western junkie. I have watched every cowboy movie ever. I can tell you every line of Clint Eastwood's movies growing up. The Wild West is most certainly one of the most romanticized times in American history. The Wild West occurred when settlers and pioneers attempted to populate territories west of the Mississippi River, and it continued after the Civil War, lasting about two centuries. Almost all of the Wild West stories revolve around clashes between 
the cops and the robbers. The criminals seemed to be the most popular. The outlaws were often idealized and romanticized. There are lots of families from Wild West, like Pat Garrett, Wyatt Earp, Wild Bill Hickok, but still, those are the good guys. The, the ones that are most popular are Billy the Kid, Jesse James, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid. Now I'm talking some old folks getting it with me now. Sorry, Brother Tony. Most of these outlaws had their own gangs, and a lot of them hid in a hideout called the Hole in the Wall. The gangs operated closely together. They supported each other, and they would hide from in refuge. It's this place where they called the Hole in the Wall, where you actually had to go through a hole in the wall to get to where they would go, was a one-day's horse ride from the nearest town. Brother Foster, and they said there was no way, they, the, the good guys could never penetrate this because from where they would sit in their elevation, the bad guys could always see them coming. And they would just sit up there and shoot them. And it was so big, their little hideout was so big, they all had cabins to serve. They built cabins up there to survive the winter. And this went on many, many years. They would go there. And all, they would hide there, and they had houses, and they had places for their stables and everything. They, built, they had a, a big old hideout. But everything has to come to an end because hideouts aren't a place of luxury. They're not places you want your kids to remember. Hideouts are temporary. You're not supposed to nest in your hideout. Katie's been nesting in somebody's apartment for the last two or three months. If you don't know, Sister Katie just married Brother Nolan last week. He's real happy. And for the last two or three months, we'd be like, and Katie's like, I'd go in. There's clothes everywhere. It was, it was Aaron's, not Nolan's. It was somebody else's. It was his roommate's. And she was decorating and wanting to move this and move that. And some of us are in a hideout that was supposed to be temporary, but you've made it a home. You've put pictures on the walls. You started decorating. You put wallpaper. You're trying to live in a place that God never intended you to stay. Hideouts are, we had a hideout when I was a little kid. It was the old chicken coop on the farm. And we would go in there and we tried to make it everything we could. We tried to have snacks in there. And we tried to have, and you live on a farm and you have snacks out on the farm, you know, rats and mice get up in there it, it was an old chicken coop bi- built around 1910 that we that was our fort that was our hideout and we'd go in the back door of grandma's house she would know great grandma and we'd steal stuff i mean borrow stuff i don't know what we were right we'd take anything and everything we could if she was like nine honestly she was like 90 so she couldn't hear us we'd slide in grab we grab donuts we grab everything we i don't even know why we took our perfume bottles out there i don't know we're throwing them at each other what we were doing with all that stuff i mean and it was not you know 90 year old grandmas don't usually wear the best perfume so i'm sure it wasn't worth any money i'm confessing and my grandmother is probably watching sorry mama when we get to heaven we can tell tell old we called her old mama too tell old mama all about this but i want to share with you that Hidden warriors have a harvest. You're a hidden warrior, and you have a harvest. And I want to make it legal. We'll go to the book here. 
The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so they handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Seven years is, means completion. The Midianites were so cruel to the Israelites, they were hiding themselves in mountains, building caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the, the Midianite marauders would come in and they would steal everything. They would take it all. They, they came in on hordes of donkeys, so many that, are, uh, that they couldn't even tell how many were coming in. They were like locusts coming in, grasshoppers. They would leave the Israelites with nothing to eat. They would literally take away their harvest and starve them, take away all the sheep and the goats. So Israel was reduced to starvation. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sights because actions have consequences. I know we don't shout on that one, but actions have consequences. When you don't line up to the, according to the word of God, to the will of God, and the way of God, I'm sorry there will be consequences. The Lord stopped protecting them because they diverted themselves from the will of God. They sinned against God. They said they shouldn't, uh, they say we shouldn't say the word sin in church anymore. That we shouldn't preach on sin because it will empty our churches out. But I believe people want to know what God says about morality, about truth, about love, and about hope, and about despair. Because if, you're, if you live your life driven by the flesh and not by the spirit, there will be consequences. There was a survey that was recently given to the millennial generation and Generation Z. And it asked them, as it pertains to Christianity, what they are looking for. You would think they would say they want a good worship experience. Uh, by everything we see on Facebook and Instagram and Reels and whatever else you're looking at on social media. You'd think they'd want a good worship experience. Or you think they would want a message that would be, help me fulfill my purpose in life. But it wasn't that. The number one thing that Generation Z and the millennial generation said they wanted, they wanted to know what God has to say about what is right and what is wrong. I'm here to tell you there is a generation emerging, and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid they shoved down our throats in this culture. There is a generation coming up in America that this generation will be the most spiritual generation we've had since the outpouring of Pentecost in the 1900s. There is a shifting in our culture, in our spiritual climate. There is a generation that is hungry for the word of God. There is a generation that is hungry for the move of God. And we're going to see a revival of every generation. We're going to see Elisha's rise up and do more than the Elijah's did. There is a generation. Don't believe what they say that Christianity is dead and Christianity is going downhill. The a pastor says it all the time, but the church always wins. Every time the enemy thought he had Jesus and thought he had God upside down, thought he had him in a tomb on Friday, you just sit and wait and you hold on and have faith because I'm here to tell you Sunday's coming. He's coming out of the grave. And I'm here to tell you there's a revival in America like we've never seen before. It's not going to be my generation or my grandpa's generation, but it's the generation sitting right in front of me. There is a generation that is hungry for a move of God why because they know iPhones don't have it and Facebook doesn't have it and Instagram doesn't have it their schools don't have it and the government don't have it the only place that has it is the church 
I didn't bring a bottle of water. Would someone help me? 1119. We're 25% of the way through. There was a young hippie guy during COVID. Sean, uh, last name, Faucht. He actually came here, right here. When we weren't supposed to, when we were told that you can't even have people over for dinner. When we were told you can't have a Bible study in your house. This guy that doesn't look Christian, you wouldn't think you, if you were walking down the road and you saw him, you might take your kids to the other side of the road. Long hair, long beard, scraggly, looks like he hasn't showered in two weeks. But you know what he said? When somebody in our government in Sacramento said we can't have church, you can't have prayer meetings, you can't have Bible studies, he went to Huntington Beach and said we're going to have a worship service out here. He started in Huntington Beach, and then he went to San Diego. Then he went all the way up the coast in Sacramento, right in front of the guy who said we can't have church. They had 12,000 people out there worshiping the Lord, having church. They came right here to Temecula. They had 3,000 people in the mall parking lot having church. What am I here to tell you? There's a generation that is going to stand up, that will rise up, that will be a worshiper and warriors. I'm here to tell you, hidden warrior, it's your time to come out. It's your time to rise up. There is a generation that will see this revival. And let me correct something right now. There's a theology teaching, cultural teaching going around that says, as long as my spirit's right, I can live how I want. As long as my spirit's right, I can do what I want to do. That's the dumbest thing. That can ever go around. That's not in the Bible. If your spirit is right, your language will be right. If your spirit is right, your life will be right. If your spirit is right, your actions will be right. If your spirit is right, your thinking will be right. If your spirit is right, your love will be right. I'm here to tell you, and right means right by the word of God. So the Bible says the Lord stopped protecting them. I mean, even all state stopped protecting them. I know there's the forgiveness program, but when you have the same mistake over and over, at some point, even all state says you're out. But your actions has to demonstrate that you are truly born again. Saved people, their behavior changes. When you are saved, your behavior changes. According to James, saved people stop living a life of sin. The Israelites went from making memorials to God to making hideouts. Because of fear. Every time the Israelites planted, the enemy attacked. The Midianites saw the Israelites were hiding. And when they saw they were hiding, they would take the harvest. The enemy takes advantage of your fear. Read it, read it. They were full of fear. They made caves. They began to hide. The Midianites came in and stole their harvest. Every, every time. When the Midianites saw the Israelites were afraid, the Midianites came in. The enemy will only come after your harvest the moment you show the enemy that you're hiding. Every time you act like the enemy has something over you, he takes away your harvest. Every time you act like the devil is a threat, he takes away your harvest.
Every time you act like that which, that, is, that which is outside of you is greater than that which is inside of you, the enemy comes in and takes your harvest. Let me say it again. Every time you act like that which is outside of you is greater than the Holy Ghost inside of you, the enemy will come in and take your harvest. We have too many Christians that are hiding. God didn't save you to hide. God didn't change you to hide. God didn't fill you up with the Holy Ghost so you can hide. God didn't deliver you from alcohol so you could hide. God didn't deliver you from pornography so you could hide. God didn't deliver you from adultery so you could hide. God delivered you so you could come out of your pit. He delivered you so you can come out of your treasury. He delivered you so you can rise up and... Almighty oh, hero, almighty oh, hero, do you hear me today? Come on out. He didn't hide you so, or change you so you could hide in caves and pits. You're hiding in your past. You're hiding in desperation. A great thing we do in America, you hide in preoccupation. I'm busy. You're here but your mind's not here. That's why I had to stop a little bit ago because I felt God say, they're here, but their spirits aren't here right now. He says, you got to help me get them to come out of the pit so I can change them today because they don't know they're a mighty hero. We got to get them out of the wine press. We got to get them out of the pit. You're listening to this message today. And you can put it right on your calendar, your iPhone, your watch, whatever it may be. But today is the last day you will hide for the rest of your life. Today is the last day you're going to hide for the rest of your life. Some of you have been hiding from yourselves because you don't even want to deal internally with what you got going on in here. You, can, you blame, you blame, you blame. I'm the victim. I know. You need to look at yourself. You are where you are because you put yourself in the wine press. Don't blame your mommy and don't blame your daddy. Don't blame the preacher and don't blame the usher. You better blame yourself for where you're at. But I'm here to tell you, my God said mighty hero, mighty hero, mighty hero, come out. It's, you need to flip the script. You're, you're going to be so hidden that they will never be able to find you again. Because why? God, my God, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory, Psalms 32 and 7 right there for you. When God is your hiding place, you no longer need to hide from man. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says, I am hidden in Christ forevermore. When you're hidden in Jesus, you don't need to hide from man. You don't need to hide from governments. You don't need to hide from politicians. You don't need to hide from yourself. you got to hide yourself in Jesus and say, show me everything. Show me everything. You don't have to hide from a threat. If you're listening online, you're here in the building. I want you to know if you're covered by the blood of Jesus. You need to put a smile on your face because you are so hidden that the enemy cannot find you. You are so hidden in Christ that you will never need to hide again. You don't have to hide from Goliath. You don't have to hide from Pharaoh. You don't have to hide from Nebuchadnezzar. You don't have to hide from Herod. And you don't have to hide from him or her or this or that. You are a child of God. 
and your days of hiding have come to an end. Jesus Christ is at the outside of your wine press and he's saying, mighty warrior, mighty warrior, now is the time, now is the time. Galatians 6, don't grow weary of doing what is right. There's a harvest coming. And now I'm talking about your life too. Health, finances, peace, healing, restoration. Right now, if you've been hurt, I want you to lift your hands. God is my witness right now. If you've been hurt, church hurt, home hurt, work hurt, family hurt, lift your hands. I'm here to tell you right now, God just spoke. I felt it strongly that he's going to release healing on some hurt, things that held you back. He said, mighty warrior, you've been living in your pit. He said, you've been living in your wine press, and you've been doing what is right, but you're so hurt, you can't come out. He said, but today we're going to heal it. We're going to restore it. You're going to come out, right? He said, I'm going to heal it. And here's how he's going to heal it. Musicians and come. Some of you need to tell the enemy, don't touch my harvest. Your healing, your restoration, your victorious living. You're not, you are going to face who you are inside and you are going to come out of your wine press. The second point, last point, if you're taking any notes possibly at all, the hidden warrior cries out. We know what the Midianites did. They were hiding. When, they, when the Israelites were hiding, they would come in and they would take the harvest. Here's the clincher, verse 7. When they cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that's when God answered. While the Midianites were successful in destroying their crops, stealing the harvest, stripping them bare, there was something the Midianites could never, ever, ever ever take away from the children of God. And you know what that was? It was their crying out. When the Midianites were successful in destroying the crops, stealing the harvest and stripping them bare, there was something they could not take away from the Israelites, and that was the crying out to God. The breakthroughs in your life have been when you cried out to God. I don't know what the enemy has taken from you, but there's something he can never take away from you, my friend. He cannot take away your ability to cry out to him in the midnight hour. Your ability to cry out to a living God. He can take your money. He can take your car. He can take your job. He can take your house. He can take everything else. He can release all hell, but he cannot take your ability to cry out to him in the midnight hour. You got the ability to cry out to the living God who is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He spoke this thing into existence and he can bring you out of your pit if you just cry out.
Something's moving. Lift your hand if you've ever been backed up against the wall and you had to cry out to lift. If it's ever happened to you again, lift your other hand. Look at the crowd of witnesses. Look at the crowd of witnesses here. He can take your health, but he can't take your crying out. He can battle you. He can put wounds on you. He, can, he put wounds and scars on Jesus, but it didn't keep him in the grave. And it won't keep you in the grave. Stand with me, stand with me. A warrior's greatest weapon is not his word. It's not his shield. It's not the spear or the javelin. The warrior's greatest ability and his greatest weapon is the ability to do one thing. And that is to cry out for help. If you can cry out to God, there's hope today. Jeremiah 33, 3, if you can cry out, cry unto me and I will respond. This is for somebody I don't care what you're facing. You can cry out. Because if you can cry out, you can get out. Let me say it again. If you can cry out, you can get out. If you can cry out, you can get up. If you can cry out, you can get through. Today is the day to cry out. I'm speaking to every hidden warrior. See, the wine press was just a pit. Gideon was doing what was right, but he was in the wrong place. Some of you have been living right, but you've been in the wrong place. And God says, come out of your pit. Cry unto me. He says, I'm coming. You may be hiding today, but you will shine tomorrow. You find yourself in the threshing floor of life. The marauders keep taking away your harvest, taking away the things you value, the things you work for. But let not your heart be troubled because you are about to cry out, not to a man, not to the Pope, not to the president, not to a Republican or a Democrat, not to a dead, dry religion. You're not crying out to any of that. You are crying out to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the host of hosts and the Prince of Peace. You're crying out to King Jesus. I want to show you one thing as I close. This mother from this church, I believe Portugal, becomes pregnant. She prays over the baby. I want to show you this video when this baby was born, still declared dead by the doctors. Turn that volume up, Henry. That's the baby sneezing and coming back to life. This is what happened. The baby's born dead. The doctor tells the mom, I'm sorry, your baby's dead. Place the baby on the mom's chest. The mom's speaking Portuguese. 
The mom says this, my dear God, right now I'm crying out to you. Mama says, I'm crying out to you. She said, you gave me a promise. And she keeps on saying in Portuguese, resurrect my baby. Resurrect my baby. You told me this baby had a purpose. You told me this baby had a purpose. And at the moment, the mama cried out to God. What you thought was dead, what your ministry you thought was dead, what your purpose you thought was dead, what you thought could never be resurrected, I'm here to tell you, if you call on the name, if you cry out, come on, cry out. Cry out for your children's children. Cry out for the backslider. Cry out for your finances. Don't underestimate the power of crying out. I release you right now. The altar's open. Come out. Come out. I don't even sing right now. I'm looking for the warriors that are going to cry out. I'm looking. What you thought was over. What you thought was toast. What you th- Don't drink the Kool-Aid. You can cry out. If the church would stop hiding and cry out. If the church would stop crying. Stop just f- there and cry out. Cry out. Come out, warrior. Come out, warrior. I'm not afraid. The most powerful weapon is not your hands. It's your mouth. Cry out. God stands in your favor. When you cry out, heaven touches earth. When you cry out, demons flee. When you cry out, enemies scatter. Today, as for me and my house, we will not be silent. I will cry out. Here he comes, he's rescuing. Here he comes, he's rescuing. I see you in the aisle. I see you in the aisle. I see you part way back. I see you back there. I see you back there. Cry out for yourself. Cry out for your future. Cry out for your healing. I'm not going to be the victim anymore. I'm crying out. I'm facing it. When you cry out, God always responds. Even when you deserve punishment, God still answers in your favor. Even when you deserve something else, God responds in your favor. Cry out. Cry out for the new level. There's a new anointing. Will you cry out for the new anointing? Get in the river. Come on in the river. Cry out. Come on, cry out. Come on, come on. If you're so hungry for the anointing, cry out for that anointing. Cry out for that anointing. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters right now. I got to get in the presence. I see you, sis. I see you, sis, cry out right now. There's always been anointing on your life, sis. There's always been. There's new... Would you lift your hands all across the room right now? There's new dimensions of anointing being released on these young people. Because there's another generation that's hungry. 
The greatest days of the church are ahead of us. The greatest days of the church are ahead of us. There's preachers, there's teachers, there's worship leaders. Come on, warriors. Come on, warriors. Come on, warriors. Come on, warriors in the back. Come on, warriors in the back. Come on, warriors in the back. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.